And welcome, Henchman, back to another exciting and action-packed episode of the Deadly Podcast of Kung Fu, brought to you by the Villainous Man, where we traverse the continuity of Marvel's most prolific martial artist in Iron Fist and Shang-Chi. You can follow the podcast over at Deadly Kung Fu Pod on Twitter, and you can follow myself, JBD, over on Twitter at Villains Man, and you can chat with me about comics, wrestling, whatever you want to. I'm usually up for discussion as long as it's not stupid. Now, today, here on the episode, we are covering Master of Kung Fu 36 through 37 as we swing back into some Shang-Chi action after a little bit of Iron Fist. But uh, today, we've got a first here on the pod, uh, something new, something I'm excited to do because I really, really get really lonely doing things by myself. Today, I have my very first guest. It's a good friend of mine uh, that he runs two great podcasts. He's soon to be an author. I'm very excited for him. The one and only Mac East. Hey, yo, it's me, Mac East. What's up, everybody? I'm excited to talk some old school comic books because I love these. Sh- oh, can I be cursing as much as I do? <laughs> you're, you're, you're all, you're all right. I try uh, to keep it <laughs> to what I see in Marvel, but I ain't gonna hate on anybody. All right, I, I'll, I'll tone it. I, I, I said it, and I was like, oh, maybe I should. Right. Nah, nah, you're completely all right, man. You know I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna be mad. So, um, obviously, Mac, uh, you run two podcasts, uh, two fun podcasts that I'm a fan of. So, uh, please fill in all the listeners on uh what you do on both of them. So first is piece by piece. I'll start with that one because I have a little bit more to say about the other. Uh, it's a one piece podcast. We go through all of One Piece, uh, around like ten episodes at a time, and we we just, Jay. My co-host, Jay West, has not seen it. I've seen it many times um, at this point. And, yeah, we just kind of talk about it and go through each episode. Um, The other podcast we do is We Get Dubbed. That's kind of the mothership podcast. Uh, We cover everything there, anime mostly. Um, We have an anime theme song tournament coming up this summer where we're going to crown the the best anime theme song. Um, That should be fun. We're dipping our toes into video games. We covered, we're covering Final Fantasy VIII. And um, yeah, we're going to do some DC animated films as well to stick with the animation stuff. Uh, so all that's coming out over the summer. Uh, yeah, that's, that's what we do. Also, you could just, if you type in, and I think this works, WGD into your uh, podcast provider, whatever you fucking call it, uh, we should come up. Uh, with all our different, because I have different, I even have an anime theme song section now where you can find that as its own separate uh, feed. Um, so, yeah, if you want to go find out all the qualifying episodes we've done, we've done Bleach, we've done Naruto, go check those out. Uh, yeah. So, and the, and the big thing is, you know, we've got this, you know, One Piece movie going on on Netflix, which everybody's mm. about to be excited about. So, if you want to learn a little about One Piece, and uh, these guys are the only reason I watch it, because when I watched One Piece, it was on Fox Kids, and they <laughs> completely butchered it. Uh, the, then, fo- the four kids dubbed set One yes. Piece back in America so far. So yes, far. and you were like, you and Jay were like, no, 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 you've got to watch the legit dub. And and I'm a slow watcher, I got a lot going on in life, but I think I'm about done with the first season. I think I got a couple episodes to go. But okay. uh, I've I've really enjoyed it. It is it is pretty awesome. And um, 
and it, this is kind of a, a thing. It's uh, later on in our D and D podcast, last tavern on the left. Obviously, we're like three campaigns ahead because I'm releasing all of our older stuff. And I've been mean to ask Evan a great. He's playing a guy called Stone that uses a slingshot. Oh. Yeah, where do you think he got that from? Oh, my guy Usopp, maybe. Got Usopp, yeah, because <laughs> he he's been watching One Piece as well. And I'm and and the other day I was sitting there watching it, and I was like, did Evan get this idea from Usopp? He had to. So yeah, Usopp's one of my one of my favorite characters. We we debate whether Usopp's a cool character or not. Jay kind of hates on him a bunch. Uh, that's fun too if you want to check that out. But uh, yeah, I, thank thanks for checking it out. I mean, you know, it, if we could influence anybody to watch it, I think it's kind of cool. And I think I think the Netflix show, I hate live action anime as most people do, but it looks like they're putting some care into it. Um, but if not, me and Jay are gonna rip it to shreds. So either way, we're gonna have some content on that, and it should be fun either way. Uh, regardless, I am <laughs> looking forward to it. So um, so let's jump back um, here into the podcast. I do have a question before we get started. So uh, before I started doing the podcast, did you ever read anything with Iron Fist or Shang-Chi? Like, were you really familiar with them? Or, you know, what's your history with those? Because I know, like me, you're a big Spider-Man guy. Yeah. And both these guys have crossover with Spider-Man quite a bit in the past. So what what is your history with both characters? So... I think at, at some point you did um, Shang-Chi meets like his first crossover with Spider-Man. Uh, yeah, as in like Giant Size Spider-Man 2. Yeah, I read that because I had read all like all of the like first like maybe 300 issues of Spider-Man. Um, so I read that and I've re- I've read some like Iron Fist. I read like I I, re- I <sighs> sorry from like around 2011 on. I was like pretty into Marvel reading pretty much everything they were putting out. So even if I wasn't directly reading their books, I was reading things that they were popping up in. Um, Shang-Chi's been actually popping up a lot more like lately. Um, so I've read some of his stuff, but honestly, I've not read any a lot of the older stuff. I've not read like the big Iron Fist runs that everybody always points to yet. Um, so yeah, these characters are pretty new to me, I guess. I mean, like I said, I've seen them. I know what they're about, but I know there's uh, there's a lot I don't know as well. Well, and that's kind of the reason I'm doing the podcast. You know, I'm trying to stick with continuity, which I'm going to be glad to get done with deadly uh, hands here really soon because, <laughs> man, that makes continuity a mess. But once I'm out of there, I'm in the clear. So it's always tough when you have these characters sort of spilling all over the place. And even like when when Spider-Man started having all those different books, it, when I was reading the old ones. It was a pain to kind of keep track of everything that was going on because I was only reading Amazing Spider-Man. So, like, anything that was happening in the four other Spider-Man books was just, like, so brutal. Yeah. So, all right. So, as I said today, we're covering Master of Kung Fu, number 36 and another, number 37. Uh, this was actually intended, going back to Giant Size Books, this was actually supposed to be Giant Size uh, Master of Kung Fu, number 5, mm. before it was canceled. So, that would explain why this... Uh, story is two parts when usually most of the Shang-Chi stuff here recently has been running like three issue arcs. So for an arc, but uh, the creative team for this is obviously writer Doug Monick. He's been writing all the Shang-Chi books. We've got pencils by Keith Pollard, inks by Sal Trapini, colors by Petra Goldberg and Janice Cohen, letters by John Costanza, and the legendary Marv Wolfman as editor. So we're going to go ahead and jump into issue 36 titled Cages of Myth. Menagerie of Mirrors. 
The issue opens up with an uncertain Shang-Chi following a mysterious old man named Moonsung, who hastens our hero to follow him downstairs or, as I quote, lest all mysteries die slowly. Wow, this guy is such a pain with his nonsense. <laughs> I'm telling you, right? Um, and as they reach the stairs, a thrown dagger kills Moon's son, and a sextet, that's six, of ninja attacks Shang-Chi. Uh, what do you think about this fight between Shang-Chi and the six ninjas, Mac? I think that is the best part of either of the two books that we read for this. Uh, it, it was awesome. Uh, this man is, like, breaking swords, just, like, Oh man, it, it, like the fight over the buildings and everything, like it, it was it was a lot of fun. I really like this fight. Yeah, um, and I completely agree with you. Uh, this is probably the best part of both issues. And literally it starts on the third page of the first book. Yeah. <laughs> so and it does. Man. It's it's very it's very, very uh, action packed. And the um, the flow of the action here is actually done really really well um it, it's almost done in a spider-man type sense if, yeah. if you ask me like a very classic spider-man type way i i i really i think too it's just um i i feel like modern comic books don't hit on the action like older ones do oh no like, no 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 and i just i don't i it's like a lost art to have like i don't know five six pages of just crazy action that is just like awesome and you know, you got Shang-Chi kind of like talking to himself as he's going through the fight, you know, just like Spider-Man would. But it's it's I love it, man. I, I, I think I wish comics would get back to having like these long fight scenes. Uh, not that I need fight scenes and everything, but it always feels like they kind of resolve things a little too quick in these in these comics these days or like, I don't know. I like a good fight scene. What do you mean? Yeah. And this is a like you said, this is an epic fight scene for for one like. We get one scene where this ninja who comes at Shang-Chi from above, like literally he leaps off. He's got a blowgun. He blows a dart. <laughs> he jumps. He throws a shuriken and then lands. So this is almost in the same action and pulls a sword on him. Like it, it's pretty awesome. And then we see Shang-Chi like literally leap from a ninja over another one on a trash can off the side of the building, leaping up to attack a ninja who is throwing shuriken on him on top of the roof. Oh, like its and, action is amazing, and and he hits like a almost like a black mass if you if you watch wrestling. Like yeah, he, he just land, he comes down foot first on this man's face. Like he does like almost like a spin kick, and he just comes down on this guy's face. He's like catching size, and he's blocking stuff with size, and he's they're fighting on this tightrope, not a tightrope. It's probably like a phone line or something. But it's yeah, that's what it looks like. <laughs> It's probably a line someone's using to dry their clothes on. Yeah, something like that. It's yeah. in the city. It's, you know, but yeah, he's just, it's awesome. And I honestly, like these ninjas are pretty badass. And sh watching Shang-Chi just kind of take them out without really even taking any real damage was pretty awesome. Like, I was like, wow, like this dude, this dude could go. Like, I was, it, it's nice to see, and it's nice to see these street level kind of fights too. Not, not that he's like some jabroni, but he's, you know, it's nice to see like fights where not everybody's got like crazy superpowers and things like that. It's it's a lot more like skill based and things. Nah, I completely agree. And like, you know, you were just talking about this guy he comes up on the roof like Shang-Chi throws him off. He turns into a flip. He shoots at him with the dart because yeah. he lands on the wire. And then Shang-Chi gets down there. They fight. Shang-Chi kicks him off like you mentioned. And then the guy like falls down, leaps right back up and jumps <laughs> up with a sword and cuts the line. 
Yeah. Like, the action in this is pretty awesome. But anyways, uh, Shang-Chi, he takes out all the ninjas, and there's one left. And basically, he tells him to turn around. Shang-Chi sees that all the ninjas are gone, turns back to find the lone ninja is gone, and all that's left is the dead moon sun. So now, with questions to this mystery slain, its purpose is entombed in secrets. An ex- existence unfulfilled, Shang-Chi seeks answers to the root of the problem for where he found his temptation to help Moon Sun. And then we get this flashback. It's a one oh, page. This was, this was terrible. It just it, It's such a weird way to tell this story. Like, That's I, what I was going <laughs> to ask you. Like, okay, so here, hold up. So basically, they give a flashback where he's meeting uh, Sir Dennis Smith from MI6. And uh, he hands Shang-Chi a letter about from Moon Sun who seeks his help. Smith warns him it could be a trap from Fu Manchu or Falu uh, Su, which is Shang-Chi's father and sister who are war over the sea fan and basically Fu Manchu's empire. But, you know, Shang-Chi quickly reminds him that the two are still busy fighting one another for control. Then Blackjack Tar and uh, Clive Reston offer the assistance of Shang-Chi and he turns they turn their offer and leaves. Yeah, see, this, do do you think this would have been better at the beginning of the book instead of here, like, halfway in the middle? I guess, like, I I didn't know why he was following this old man, and I didn't really care. You know what I mean? Like, and this doesn't necessarily answer anything. Like, he got a letter, was like, oh, I guess I'll help this guy. And they're like, oh, maybe it's a trap. And he's like, whatever. And he just goes anyway. It doesn't really answer why he's following this old man to begin with. All we know is that he sent a letter, like. It, so I, I just I would have been fine with just him following the old guy. They fight the ninjas. You know what I mean? Like I, I it doesn't it doesn't really fill in a lot of gaps for a flashback. Well, and and, and here here's what's interesting. And I'm going to quote Smith here in the book. It says, well, it seems that considerable attention has been focused on your recent affairs through new pa- newspapers accounts, as well as various other journalistic monologues. But yet, in none of the Shang-Chi books I've covered, not once has anything brought up about him being in the papers or people even knowing <laughs> that he exists outside of Spider-Man until <laughs> just now. Yeah, that's strange, too. Yeah, Yeah. so and, and, and I think the only thing that could have made that fight better with the ninjas is if Black Jack Tar and Reston would have been there just to get in the way. <laughs> I will say, yeah, that would, I always just throw more people in. You know, it's cool, but I, I, I do think um, it does play like a giant side. Now that you mention it, like you said, it was going to be a it giant. It does play it, like it one. It feels like one so much now that you mention it, because I, mm-hmm. I was so confused, like, what is going on? Because the giant sides are usually just nonsense anyway. Yeah, pretty much. So, yeah, this that makes a lot more sense. Like, So, but uh, caught by surprise during his contemplation, Moon Sun is actually alive. <laughs> <laughs> urges our hero to follow him downstairs before the warlords of the web strike. Basically, <laughs> nothing that happened so far mattered at all. Like no. it, it was fun to see, but it didn't matter. No, so he's confused <laughs> by what has happened, and the old man tells Shang-Chi that he was killed only for a moment, but in reality, the ninja had missed. It seems like so it seemed like the ninjas had kind of it almost felt like they pulled Shang-Chi into some other like like it, because like pocket dimension, the, yeah. Because almost because all the damage done is like undone when they leave. Like all the like building stuff is kind of you know what I mean. So it it felt 
And then this guy, I guess he wasn't even. I don't even know if they were actually trying to kill him. Like that's not even clear by the end of the book. Not to spoil anything, but no, no, this whole book is about <laughs> mystery, and it and it plays it up sometimes really well and really goofy. Yeah, we're gonna get to some goofy stuff real soon. Oh, here, no, here we go. <laughs> so suspicious about the ordeal, Moon Sun tells Shang Chi the answers he seeks are below, but will only induce induce introduce him to more mysteries, delights, and terrors. I'm pretty sure delight would be useful right now for him. Our hero follows, but demands answers, which leads the old man to admit he has lied. For Shang-Chi has been introduced to more mysteries than answers, he must first introduce himself to the six canvas draped blocks before removing them. As he begins, Moon Sun takes his leave to retrieve his treasure. So Shang-Chi, basically to kind of set a theater of mind here, there's all these basically... Um, square boxes covered in canvas and he cannot pull the canvases off until he introduces himself so he's so, got to do this one at a time so there's one of my favorite part i laughed so hard at this and i don't blame shang chi necessarily he just went through some confusing stuff with a bunch of ninjas but he the the he's hearing a voice from out from under the tarp and he goes here i have it more magic enabling canvas to speak like he thinks like it's a talking tarp canvas thing and i'm just like what do you what do you think is happening man like i i oh my god well you i think he is very naive to the world <laughs> but they're like it's like obviously I, I, as soon as i saw it i was like oh that's it's over like a box or a cage or something yeah like obviously there's something in there you, oh my god i i, I lost it <laughs> All right, so I'm going to run through what he finds real fast. Um, so first, the, it's and these are all categor categorized as mysteries, is uh, Pan Singh the Seder. Uh, he does not want his cage broken because it's the only freedom from a confining cage called the world. He claims to be the son of Silenus, or Silenus, wow, I, I come out wrong, uh, the half-brother of uh, Dionysus. He claims he's a coward and a lecher. Is that lecherous yeah. and a bilbilus? I don't know what that word means. Me either. He says, I am the exile from the house of Fawn, and I am a mystery. More I cannot say until you comply with Moon Sun's request. And you're going to get that ending right there with every one of them because they're all going to urge Shang-Chi to help. The second is the mystery wolf, whose name is Cinnabar, who is wise to the seed of men. And uh, he is very violent. Yeah, uh, he's cool. He's he's my favorite one because he's. I was going like to ask you that because he's my, he's my favorite too. <laughs> yeah. But um, as Shang Chi approaches, he says, "Be warned, Sinker. You should attempt to destroy the bars of my home. I will spill the blood from your flesh and rend the flesh from your bones." And then Shang Chi asks him, "Then remain imprisoned if you wished. I would only speak to you and learn." And then he cuts him off because he's a complete prick. Oh, he yeah. says, "You would only prize what to really mean." You would cut deeply into the soul of mystery, rip out its heart and examine it until your foul curiosity is sated and then cast the heart aside, leaving the mystery slain. Like even his like poetry that he is speaking is like hardcore violent. I yeah, I, I just like you're reading you're you're quoting this right now and I, I just have to wonder like what were they thinking when they were writing this stuff? Like it's so bizarre. I like the audience is probably like their target audience was probably like 12 year old kids. I, I'm just so like, who is this for? Like, it's insane. 
Okay. Um, <laughs> I, you know what I'm what I'm what I'm reading this when I first read it. My first thought was like as we, as we're getting to the uh, third mystery here, like this is kind of something you would see, and it's and it fits the time. It's like Jason and the Argonauts or Clash yeah. of the Titans, you That's know, true, kind of like yeah. that. Well, the whole thing feels like a fable too. Like yes, it, it does. Especially, especially, I think it's the next issue where they all like tell the story, like their mm-hmm. backstory. Yeah. That is like a hundred percent a fable. Like it, it and I, it's it's cool. Like I actually enjoyed that, but it, it at the same time is it's confusing and weird. And I just wonder what like people that were reading it at the time were thinking. Like, okay, so let's move on to the third mystery, which the person's name, the I said today, the mystery's name is George. He just <laughs> has he has a straight, straight name. His George the Angel Hawk. He says, "Now you know I'm an angel, but I'm a hawk. I don't like being either." says, yeah, my exactly. destiny yeah, is to exist as both. He's emo is what he is. Yeah. <laughs> he says, the mystery is to why. He said, do you really believe I know myself, that I can explain myself? Shang-Chi says, yes. He says, then your sadness must be greater than mine. Let's see, he is emo. Yeah, yeah, you're right. <laughs> so, basically says, do you understand what compelled you to follow Sun Moon's son? And that's the whole thing here, which you brought up earlier. Like, why? Why would he even do this? Yeah. It says, if curiosity is sufficient motivation for your life is in this night, will the answer is feed your flesh or sustain your soul? Then you're, oh, I didn't read the sadness one. So, and then basically it, he just kind of moves him on to the next one. And this is Sheena, the sea maid. Why can't they just call her a mermaid? Yeah, that's weird. Also, I. So for you guys who haven't read this, it, there's like this cool like yellow bar with their like it says fourth mystery seam like it has like a I don't know how to even explain it, but it looks cool the way each mystery has their own like uh, page. It's almost like an introduction to like old school horror comics. Yeah, yeah, there you go. So and uh, she and it's funny, Darren, when he's talking to her, she does a really good job of covering up her boobs. Mm. Yes, with her arms, like the way this is drawn. So, She's got some big old boobies, too. I'm going to throw it out there. She is a mermaid. <laughs> so how may you speak through water, is what he asked her when she introduces herself. In the same way you speak through air, Shang-Chi, from my heart to your heart. The words are expected or see exceeded in unimportance only by that which carries them. It is the feeling which matters, but your riddle, it's not an answer. Why not? When your question is a question, you might have asked how I breathe through water, but the riddle would have slightly only changed. It's still a feeling that matters, and the feeling does not care if you don't. And this is what you're going to get from a lot of these guys. Uh-huh. Now, he, here's a guy who is just like straight up a G. Yeah. And, yeah, and this is the fifth mystery, the Unitar, whose name is Rhinor. Basically, he's a centaur with a unicorn horn. Yeah, yeah, he's very yeah. self-conceited, man. I like this guy too. He's my second favorite. So, uh, he says, "Well, I'll tell you one thing. I'm Rhinor, and even Cage, I'm magnificent. That's two things I've told you. A bonus, but no jackpot. You can see I can be pretty tight with the answers too. So, just a little hit, Shang Chi. I'm mighty headstrong, and so is my horn. Strong, that is." So don't push on it if you get my point. Um, yeah, 
I know I'm a little gruff on the shell. And once you get to know me, I'm putting on the inside. This guy does not. He he is cool. I really <laughs> like it. But his, his tone doesn't fit the rest of the guys at all. No, it sounds like he's like like a like one of the, like a children's poem or like a terrible 80s rapper or something like it's just so bad. Yeah. And, and, and I mean, he, he even gets an ad. This guy should team up a, a, at this time with Luke Cage. Batman. <laughs> he, he should. He's like, look, all I want is you to help me help myself. Yeah, it's no big mystery. We all know it. And none of us are making any bones about it. Go on. Ask the last two. They'll tell you. And, uh, you know, and he's go Shang Chi is going through an emotional roller coaster. Like he's angry at by this time that he's which, ha- he has to keep going through this, which I don't blame him. You can't blame him at all. It's just confusing nonsense. As a reader, you're like, what? by this point, I was like, how long is this comic? Like it, it feels really long at this point. Yes, yeah. This, this part right here made this issue seem extremely long because it it forces you. It does a really good job of forcing you to pay attention to what's going on yeah. because each person is telling him almost the same thing, but in their own way. Yeah. So like he approaches the last one and he says, I'm Shang-Chi. And it says, so what? Yeah. And then it says, oh, stop being so hostile. And you yeah. find out that the mystery is a two headed snake. One is called syllabus and the other one is just simply called snake that's yeah <laughs> they couldn't come up with a good name for the second one no and the in snake the the prick dickheaded one of them he says we don't like you the other one argues not true welcome you shang chi to the bottom of our scaly heart and they continue to argue amongst yourself yeah classic two-headed creature that the two heads fight classic yeah, and, and they basically argue about everything uh, as Shang-Chi is, you know, trying to figure out what is going on. So basically, Moon Sun at this time interrupts the conversation with his treasure, which is d- his daughter, Tico. Cutting yeah. short the pleasantries. Go on. No, nah, it just it felt real like when you don't know what's going on, it feels real femme fatale kind of thing. Like she's coming in, hugging this man. Like I was like, what is happening here? Like she... It feels like she feels like honestly, she introduces like a level that of danger to me. Like I was I was like, oh, she's like being used to fool him because he's got, you know, he gets fooled by the hug. And well, and it seems like women in in these stories so far, American women do not fool Shang-Chi whatsoever. But if it's an Asian woman, he, (laughs) he seems to approach them a little bit differently. Yeah, and it never, and there, and it there's never a, fails. There is an interesting point in a little while we'll get to, but but yeah, she uh she he she's got him all flushed and blushing and things like that. So um, but basically, cutting short the pleasantry, Shang Chi still demands to know why people are in cages, or I should say creatures, and why he's been asked to come. Moon Sun reveals he wished for our hero to protect his traveling caravan from Dark Strider and the Warlords of the Web. Not being able to refuse someone in need, Shang-Chi accepts. The next morning, Shang-Chi, to his surprise, arrives late to the train station while Moon Sun's six mysteries are already loaded up. This is what I don't get. How is he late? He seems confused by, like, why am I late? Like, he thought maybe he was on time. It was so bizarre. Also, Penn Station does not have these kind of trains running out. Maybe in the 70s they did. I'm here to tell you. 
as someone who's been to Penn Station many times. And as a New Yorker. <laughs> there's no circus leaving Penn Station on, like, these old, like, hobo trains. But, eh, whatever. Yeah, him being late was really... Like, this um, sort of time jump to the next day was really jarring. Like, it, it I was so confused. Like, he's like, yeah, I'll protect you. Why, like, what, like, why did they even wait till the next day? I don't know. It just seemed strange to me. And, and seeing as he's coming to the train station, there's the very under, unnecessary dialogue of the one guy there when Chong, she's walking. He's like, talk about weirdos. Yeah, yeah which I, I like. OK. As a writer, it's so weird. Like, I mean, comics do this, so it's not like a big deal, but it's so weird to get like people's thoughts outside of the protagonist. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, and you just have this random New York guy on the streets while he's like walking to Penn State. And yeah, if you saw Shang Chi walking around, you'd be like, "What's wrong? What's wrong with this dickhead? Like he's he's got his chest out, like abs just flowing, like but he's no shoes, like he looks ridiculous." Oh, he looks like a uh, a martial artist. <laughs> I mean, so but the thing is, let, let, let's take that back. You know, where um, Sir Dennis Nayland Smith talked about how he was in the newspapers. You figured that person probably would have knew who he would because back then everybody was picking up the papers. And most likely he's in the Daily Bugle. Well, that that's an interesting point. Yeah, like because everybody knows Spider-Man and he's yeah. So if you're in the paper, you're right. You would know who this guy is. You would know who he is. So but um, as the train leaves, we see the six ninjas return and leap upon it as it leaves the station yeah that was cool these ninjas these ninjas are my favorite part honestly i I completely agree so uh before we move on to number 37 we're gonna take us a little break i'm a little parched we're gonna give me a drink i'm gonna play our sponsor i'm gonna play the promo for the we get dubbed podcast so you remember to go follow those guys on their social media accounts subscribe to the wonderful podcast and when we return we're going to finish up with issue number 37 titled web of dark death and thing gets weird. Things get weird, everybody. Things get weird. Coming to you live from whatever podcast you're currently listening to, it's your boy Jay West with my co-host Mac East from the We Get Dub Podcast. What up, nerds? It's me, Mac East, and we got a badass anime podcast for you. We got hot sauce. We got hot takes. We got booze and banter. And you can listen to us on all major platforms. The We Get Dub Podcast hits harder than a Goku gut punch. <laughs> <laughs> And welcome back to the Deadly Podcast, Kung Fu. Myself, JD, and my very special guest, Mackie's from the We Get Dub Podcast and the Peace by Peace Podcast. We're going to jump into issue 37, continue with our story here on Master of Kung Fu, titled Web of Dark Death. Now, I have some questions here. The cover of this book features the, the villain of this story. Do you think they should have left that for inside the book, considering he never showed up in issue 36? (laughs) I was so confused. So, like, I was like, am I missing something here? Is this, like, a character that I should know about that I don't know about? Um, I, I, I know how the old comic covers work. They, they're all about selling the issue. I don't have a problem with him being on it, because he looks cool. Yeah, yeah, he looks super cool. He looks like he fits in. Yeah, I I was confused when I looked at the cover, but I was like, "Is this right?" Like, they, and also they're setting up a lot on this cover. Like, uh, yeah, it's it's meant to draw you in. Dark Strider and his warlords. I immediately I'm like, who the who the hell are the warlords? Like, I. And by the way, this this comic here, thirty seven, has so much heavy lifting to do, and I, I, it's not going to succeed at everything. Um, 
Okay, so and, and now before we get on, now I asked you to come on and read the story before this. Are you glad you co- you came in on this one instead? Yeah, sure. I mean, I don't know what I missed, but I I I had fun reading this. I will say when he was going to each cage in the in issue 36, I was like, "Oh my god." But overall, I enjoyed this story. Yeah, it's 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 fun. All right. So, and then even when we get into the recap page, we do see the head of Dark Strider, who kind of reminds me of Mo from Three Stooges with a big <laughs> ponytail. Because yeah, if I you cut off his that. ponytail, it looks like he's got that bow cut. Wow, yeah, on that first page, where I'm looking at it now, because on the cover, he doesn't really look like that. But no, no, no. The first page, the recap page, he definitely, that confused me too. I'm like, this guy's on the recap page, but we didn't really hear about him at all. Mm-mm, no. See, on the cover, he's looking straight up like he's um, a, a Shotokan from Mortal Kombat. Yeah, and he, does, he looks like yeah. Mo in the recap page. Yeah, so if you guys who haven't read it, yeah, he's got six arms like uh, like like Goro or something. Yeah. yeah, yeah, he looks like he fits right in with them. So let's get into the story. The six ninja begin to break through the roof of the cart where the mysteries are being held. Shang-Chi takes care of of one of them who manages to come in first and quickly takes the fight to the remaining five on the roof. Man, the guy who jumps in, he kicks this poor bastard out of it. Like, this guy, if they're not, like, magical disappearing ninjas, he, this guy's dead. Because he kicks him out of a moving train. Like, well, like a mile. Yeah, <laughs> like he smashes this dude. Like, it's like he got hit by the Hulk. Yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> and, you, and speaking of magical disappearing ninjas... After dispatching two more up on the roof, the other three flee to the front of the train, and to Shang-Chi's shock, they leap off in front of the locomotive and seemingly vanish. Yeah. They're like, ninja, vanish. So, what I hate about this is this fight is like a typical minion fight, and it's kind of lackluster after the first fight. Yeah, it is. In issue 36. It could have been a lot cooler, especially on, like, I love a good New York City street fight. But this was on a moving train with martial artists and ninjas. Like, that could have been a lot of fun. Yeah, this could have been awesome. So, moving on. Shang-Chi leaps down, interrupting an argument between Moon Sun and the the Mysteries because they wish to help our hero. Thinking there is more going on to protecting the caravan, Shang-Chi demands answers to everything. Oh, one thing we missed about last issue, I, I'm pretty sure it ends with um. So they they basically act like Shang Chi is another member of their like yes. traveling, and the ninjas are like, oh well, all ten are gonna die. Like they add Shang, like I think they say that there's nine of them, mm-hmm. and then they're like, oh Shang Chi's that, and they're like ten are gonna die or something. Like they have this like moment at the end, and then they kind of talk about it here too a little bit, like. Well, it really becomes a factor here in the uh, finale of the book is yeah. where all that really comes into play. But but uh, basically, he jumps down there and Moonsun tells him that if he wishes to learn the secret of the mystery, then approach the mystery itself. And uh, this is basically where each one of the mysteries, the six mysteries, kind of give their um, origins and basically how they came about. So, Pang Si the Seder says they once performed for a powerful Mandarin in Taiwan who offered them to stay and entertain them until the end of their days. Moon's son humbly refused, which came with the threat of refusal leading to their deaths. Needing their freedom, they left this his pl- palace 
where he promised to send Dark Strider after them once he returned. Shang-Chi asks who that is, and Pan Sing tells him it is a tiger in human form. Nah. Rhinor, the Unitar, disputes the claim of Dark Strider, being a tiger, and that he is a mantis. He also claims Ping Sang's story is correct up to the performance. The Mandarin, and I want to I want to specify this, and I talked about this in the beginning of this podcast before Shang-Chi and the Legends of the Ten Rings come out because everybody was so worked up about the Mandarin. Mandarin is a a basically a government official in China back in the day. Yeah. So every time you see the word Mandarin, I mean it's not, you know, it's not the Mandarin. The Mandarin. Yeah. You know, he's dead. He's been dead for a while in the comics, guys. I uh, uh I actually knew that because of listening to your show. Yeah, I didn't have one bit of confusion while reading this. I appreciate that. <laughs> but uh, basically, this Mandarin ordered them to stop because he thought the show was terrible, but they were too proud to stop. When it was over and they left, the Mandarin promised to send Strider and his ninjas after them when he returned. Shang-Chi asked George, the Angel Hawk. Angel Hawk, I, I was going to ask you this. Does he not look like he belongs in the X-Men? Yeah, he does. Yeah. I mean, he looks like, to me, he looks like a version of Angel meets the Grey Gargoyle. Yeah, I could see that. So I... I yeah he he he's my least favorite because he's just kind of there but um yeah his design is pretty cool yeah and so and but or maybe he looks like he's not me from like Masters of the Universe oh yeah that's actually that's like that's a good one yeah so basically George the Angel Hawk states both are wrong they took pity on a poor couple and performed for them at their home the wife was shocked by the mystery's appearance. But Cinnabar scared her with a mercy. Go figure. Yeah, he's super violent. <laughs> I mean, I imagine he probably talks like this. Yeah, and he's yeah. very intense. Yeah, that, that made me laugh. <laughs> yeah. Causing her to die on the spot. Man, I laughed so hard when I read that. Not because it not because someone died. It's the fact that when you meet him in 36, and then when you find out he his appearance. And probably his demeanor scared her the most that she died. I could uh, that that kind of yeah. I found that kind of comical. It was funny, yeah. But uh, the husband vowed to become a master assassin. With six ninjas, he became Dark Strider and the Warlords of the Web. So now we have an idea that the Lords of the Web are these six ninjas who work for Dark Strider. George also claims to sense. Uh, he says since Dark Strider knows shadow magic, he is a crane in human disguise. Syllabus claims George is wrong, and he is instead a serpent, which her brother Snake confirms her claim, which is the first time those two agree on anything. Their story is that they performed in a vast hall for Taiwanese government officials. Their leader field, they gave away secrets that the mysteries might have overheard. Go figure, drunk officials might be giving out mysteries and secrets. Go figure, right? You think that's a jab? Probably, yeah. The officials decided that a meeting would be held in the morning to discuss if they needed their agent, Dark Strider, to be sent to kill them. So I'm going to go ahead and bring this up. First thing, if government officials tell you that, they're probably going to detain you. Yep, yep. So, and here's the interesting one about this. Uh, Syllabus and uh, and Snake mention that there was no disguise. There was no human disguise or that he was an animal. And that is the one story here that takes place in modern day. Did you catch it on that? Yeah, I, I did think that was interesting. Um, I didn't know I, as, as far as that coming from the 
what are they? Dragons, snake? I don't even know what they are. They're but snakes. I mean, one of them is named Snake. <laughs> That's fair. Yeah. Uh, but coming from them, I don't know what it meant. But yeah, it did. It, it was interesting. Yeah. Then Cinnabar the Wolf calls the snakes liars. Go figure. And uh, that they stopped a man from beating a woman in the streets of Taiwan. This scene is hilarious. Yeah. yeah. Um. So basically, what happens is they want to they get out of their wagons. And Unitar, Rhinor, the centaur, is holding this dude up while Cinnabar is beating the snot out of him. <laughs> and, and George the Angel Hawk comes flying by and punches him in the face. Like, they literally gang yeah. up on this dude and beat him up. The panel's awesome. The panel is awesome. Yeah. Like, and, and, and it's just them three because, I mean, obviously Sheena is not going to jump out and help him. She's in a, she's in a tank of water, right? Yeah. So let's go ahead and move on to her because she's next. And uh, Shang-Chi asks Sheena, the sea maid, if she has a story since she's been so quiet. She states they met a woman who took pity on their appearance about being caged. She said that the, in the, she said from the mountains that she would send her lover Dark Strider to slay them so they would be put out of their misery and be reincarnated into something beautiful. Syllabus interrupts her, saying Sheena is lying about how caring Dark Strider is and claims he is a spider in human form. So, see, they literally wait all this time to claim that he is a spider. I don't know yeah. why they would not call that up in the beginning. That's what I thought was so strange about their story. And so, this is where I'm going to ask you, whose story do you believe here? So, I... When I said it was like a fable, this is the part I was talking about most because there's always like um, there's sort of I should have done a little research on this for this, but I, I, I didn't. But with fables, there's 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 a history of like having these like multiple like similar stories, but told differently. Yeah, it's like a legend. You know, someone tells you and then someone tells it, but it changes a little. And then the next person changes it even more. I I. I, honestly, I think they're all pretty much full of shit in a way. I, I because because of how it ends. When I when I first read it, I probably thought, um, I I, I don't know. I thought the first one was most interesting. Um, the, the guy who wanted to keep them and then sent the assassin to kill him. Yeah, but I I wasn't. I never really thought about which one was most true because once I kind of figured out what was going on here, like by the second one, I was kind of like, ah, eh, they're all just kind of telling their own weird version of the story. So, um, it, and so, by the way, none of this, I, I don't, it doesn't feel like any of this necessarily pays off at the end. I don't know. Well, we'll talk about that here when we get to end, Cause that's one of the things that I'm, I'm wanting to bring up. <laughs> so, so, um, Tico arrives and he asks her who says that no one placed, Wait, hold up. I'm getting this all wrong. He asked Tico, who says it's no one's place to explain the beauty of mystery. Because obviously she has a story. And she yeah, that's interesting because we don't really think of her because like, she kind of just shows up in the first yeah. issue. It's his daughter. We don't really, you know? Yeah, we don't really think of her as as one of the circus, but then they kind of play her as she is like in this moment. Yeah. Yes. So he asked her and uh, Moon's son steps in and nervously interrupts her, saying they all need some sleep. Our hero agrees, but he doesn't do so as he contemplates the mystery of how he got involved and why he is there. <laughs> the next day, 
Shang-Chi and Moonsun drive wagons across an empty plain, which our hero does not understand. And neither do I, because how nope. did we go from a train to <laughs> wagons? <laughs> yeah, that was so good. And then, yeah, Shang-Chi's like, why are you having a circus in the middle of nowhere? And, yes. And, and no, nothing is that. He asks a million questions, normal questions that any of us would ask, and he's nothing's ever answered. Now, now, and, and, you know, this, and I didn't think about it, and you brought it up earlier, like the whole pocket dimension with the ninjas and whatnot at the beginning. And that yeah. might be part of this now that you kind of say that. That's because true, all yeah. of a sudden, they're on a train, they get sleep, and they wake up, and then they're pulling wagons. That's a good point, yeah. I mean, just all of a sudden, pulling wagons. Um, and the old man explains that whoever wishes to find mystery will find the circus regardless of where it is located. With that, everyone begins to set up the performance tent. Now, this is where you were just talking about this a minute ago. When finished, Ryan Orcs plans to run free for a while and also ask Tico if she wishes to come with him. She nah. rudely turns down the Unitar, stating she will never get close to him. Shang-Chi is shocked by her vanity as she <laughs> enters her personal wagon. So finally, he realizes that, wow, she is vain. It's so fun. It's such a like. Can you imagine if you saw a girl like turn a dude down, and be like, "Nah, I'm good on you." Like, then you'd be like, "What a fucking what a bitch!" Like, like, oh, Shang Chi's got some weird morals in his. I don't know. Well, it it, just, it, <laughs> go ahead. Just, I didn't get the sense that she was like get gross. I just she was like, I, I before I knew what was up, I was like, "Oh, he's a horse dude." Like she, she yeah, of course, yeah. <laughs> See, that's what I thought. Like. I mean, she she's not into bestiality or anything, you know. <laughs> but I guess like species said, erotica. I guess, I guess Shang Chi's pretty naive, and he's got these kind of strong ideals of like you know, because he yeah. he deads her right there in his mind. He's like, yeah, so she's the worst. Like <laughs> he's like, yo, forget her. Well, and then she turns to her personal wagon, and here's what I'm getting. We've seen two wagons. You know how many wagons they had to have? Oh yeah, yeah. So. But anyways, Moonsun asks him to go fetch Tico as he goes into the tent for some preparations. Once inside, he, surpri he surprises Tico, who he finds is hideously deformed and claims uh, her false appearance is her cage. She screams for him to leave and heads for the tent. This, like we just mentioned, complete surprise. I, I actually thought that the her false appearance is a cage thing was the most I, I use this word loosely but the most profound thing that happens in this book it, it just felt like that was really interesting to me um because i i get what she's saying like the other ones they talk about cages and freedom and i don't understand what they're saying at all but she's talking about how she sort of has to put up these appearances to like sort of exist in society and be like you know what i mean so i, I was like okay like i get where she's coming from it's very modern day too. Yeah, very very modern day. Like she she would be running the um, the TikTok and the Instagram <laughs> for this circus in a modern day story. By the way, she looks ridiculous. I don't know how she's faking it with just makeup because oh I, I think they mentioned she has like silicone lips or something. Yeah, she yeah, yeah. She's basically a skeleton. Like she <laughs> she has like no lips. She oh my god. She almost straight up looks like the Toxic Avenger. Yeah, she does. Yeah, she sure looks like Toxie. So, but inside, uh, Shang Chi goes inside, and there is a lone spectator as Cinnabar rushes to Shang Chi, the one character you do not expect to do this. 
yeah. asking if he has seen Moon's son and fears that Dark Strider has arrived. Like the most violent of all of them. It comes in, he's like, Shang-Chi, have you seen Moon's son? By the way, it, it just, I, I don't, I, I don't know. It was kind of weird for me to just see all of these creatures that were like, don't break my cage to be like running around free in this weird like desert area. Like it just, I don't know. It was so strange to me. And that's the whole mystery of all of this. Really? <laughs> they're like, don't let me out of my cage. And then they're, then they get there and then they're just running around free. Like the, yeah, I don't know. So our hero rushes outside to find him, but realizes he makes a mistake, for there is nowhere for Moon's son to disappear to. Back inside the tent, he finds Dark Strider has all the mysteries caught in a web. The two oh. have a fear. Yeah, go ahead. What? No, this is just, this is where I was like, okay, this is just nonsense. Like, it's just, okay. The web looks cool. Like, it looks like it is on the cover, but it's like this big yellow web. Like what, something you buy at, like, Walmart or Target. <laughs> As a decoration. Strider looks awesome. Like, I, I like him. I just, He does. He looks cool. Yeah, he's got... Uh, he almost looks like... He's got, like, the Morbius color scheme. That's what I was about to say. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's got, like, the pop-up collar and, like, the sleek black suit. Yeah. Yeah, he, he's... I mean, he straight up looks like he's made for Mortal Kombat. He really does. But the two have a fierce battle, and Shang-Chi gains an advantage... Uh, until the mysteries all of a sudden seem to turn into the six ninjas. What did you think about that? <laughs> so they, I, I forget when, but they start kind of playing with the idea a little bit um, during this fight. Uh, that that maybe moon. What is it? Moon song. Moon sun. Literally the moon and the yeah. Sun. He uh he might be sort of like I don't know. I so I kind of. I don't want to say I saw it coming, but when he walks into the tent and that's the image he sees, I was like, okay, there's something up with this whole thing. Like it, it feels, um, I don't know. I, it's hard to explain, but I, I do think like I kind of saw it coming a little bit. And when they turned into the ninjas, I don't understand what it means at all. But at the same time, I wasn't surprised. Like if that makes sense. No, 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 no. I can, uh, it, you're right. You're trying to make sense of nothing <laughs> that makes sense to me. <laughs> this story is way out there. So, yeah, basically, they're sort of a traveling circus that is also magic ninjas that try to kill the traveling. Cir- it's almost I, I don't know. So Shang-Chi has a very long, drawn out fight with Dark Strider. What did you think about this fight? It's not great. There was a couple cool moments, but overall, I was not. It's, again, the ninja fight is definitely better. No, I completely book. agree. And the thing is, like, for the most part, Shang-Chi is like, he would take this guy down if he didn't have six arms. That seems to be the only deciding factor for him. Yeah, because uh, he, he does. He 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 beats up Shang-Chi a little bit early on, but then, yeah, then he just decides to win, basically. He just... And uh, it's it's okay. Like, there's some cool, like, I, I, I'm still a sucker for the way they do motion and stuff in the older books. But it's not great compared to the other fights. So, as we get to the end here, Dark Strider, once the mysteries turn into these ninjas, he says, life and death have waged a struggle within their souls from the moment they were born. Life has overcome them, and so death has won. 
says, look around and see. And this is when we see the transformation. And then the ninjas all say something individually towards Shang-Chi. They say, we are the freaks, Shang-Chi, exiles from the House of Beauty. Now you know, and it saddens us deeply. We <laughs> warned, be warned, we have failed to protect us. You have failed to protect us, excuse me. And we should rip the flesh from your bones. Who do you think that is? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's old Cinnabar. You have lost, as we knew you would, which you know that snake, how they pronounce the S's. But also, we have one Shang-Chi. Thank you. Do not guess at the riddle, Shang-Chi, for the question is in its own answer. He says they speak in the voices of the six. And then they throw their swords at the tent which rips open, and they all literally fly into <laughs> yeah. the sky. It's the most corniest-looking panel I've ever seen. It's bad. And then Dark Strider, the last words to Shang-Chi, which completely sums up what we're feeling right now. He says, you do still not understand, mortal, nor will you understand before your time. I am only what I am, and death is not evil. It is only the final mystery. Do not seek to capture or explain that mystery, for in doing so, life will lose its taste for this world, and all will dwell with me. And he flees. So it's almost as if Dark Strider is some type of angel of death. Yeah, but also, okay. I get the sense that he is, but I don't know how that translates with the duality stuff of Moon Sun at all. Um I don't outside I, of the outside of the name that I guess now makes more sense in retrospect. Yeah, because moon and sun are the opposite of each <laughs> yeah. other. But when he's the old man, it's not like he's life. You know what I mean? Like it doesn't really play as an opposite thing. No, no, it, no, and it, it doesn't at all. Uh, the only thing I could I would make out of that giving life is that he takes the mysteries who are all basically freaks of nature in the world when you think about it, and he gives them life. By making them seem important to what they're doing. That's fair. I, that's fair. You know, now how that would trans and then, you know, death, uh, that why, why they would be death. I don't understand that. This book no. completely blew my mind. Like <laughs> I was just like, whoa, what is going on? Yeah. Uh, someone was token on some reefers when they wrote this. Uh, and yeah. that or some heavy <laughs> LSD. <laughs> yes. Like, like, Doug Monet was on something <laughs> when, he, when he wrote this. And, and, um, and then as, and, and for some reason, after the ninjas find the tent, and after Dark Strider tells him this, he leaps from the web, which disappears, mm-hmm. and runs out the tent instead of flying off with the ninjas. <laughs> yeah. And then Shang-Chi picks up a piece of Moon Sun's robe, which turns to ash. And then he walks off into the sunset out in the middle of nowhere. So, and uh, I want to read this here at the end. He said, a tatter of Moon Sun's robe left behind by Dark Strider. Does it mean that Moon Sun and Dark Strider were the same? Perhaps it's best never to know. Thank God, because I think we'll never know how this book went. Mm-hmm. He says, for though I have learned nothing from a man who promised a knowledge of all, I have learned much from the fabric of mystery. We are all freaks under the eyes and life is our cage. The watching world is beautiful. The watching world is blind. So the one thing I guess that you could take away from this is most of the time, people are not what they seem to be on the surface. 
Yeah, that and was, everybody is cool. judgmental. That's cool too. Uh, and I think uh, um, sort of having this freak show circus thing is a good way of conveying that. I just and I know Shang Chi is a martial artist and stuff, but I don't see how the ninjas play in to it at all. <laughs> like that's where they kind of lose me. Um, because you needed some type of ninja minion for him <laughs> to fight. That's what it was. Because you have this like fine, the circus is is a metaphor for all these things and then there's also there's ninjas you know what i mean like it doesn't really like the metaphor doesn't work with ninjas and even when you like want to kind of talk about them as sort of agents of death um i i don't really see how it plays with the circus thing at all it's it's so it's such a strange two elements that he combines into this one i don't i don't know it's so strange it, it is. It is a very, very odd book. But overall, what'd you think about it? Well, look, the way I look at a lot of these old comics, and don't get me wrong, I enjoy a lot of these old comics, but I can also enjoy them like I'm watching like a B horror movie too. I agree. And I enjoyed this like that. Like it was, it was over the top. There was a cool fight scene and another one that was decent. And uh, the characters look cool. The art's all great. I love the art. Um, so overall, yeah, I, I had a good time reading it. I just think th- there was a few, like, I, I, I'm fine with six mysteries, but it also felt like both times they were telling stories, it dragged a little. Mm-hmm. I was actually surprised at how long, like, it felt long. Like, these comics felt long because of the, each mystery has their own say. Um, situation but but overall i enjoyed it and um adapt adapt this for uh shang chi too kevin Feige. <laughs> <laughs> so the 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 very last thing we see in the book uh as it before it leads off into the uh the next book um it, it's got a interesting thing and it's called a later thought from the library in smith's townhouse the circus is many things to many people but in the language of its origin the word carnival means farewell to flesh it is so yeah that was really cool i don't know what it means at all but it it fits well with the book and it's cool so my, my only thing that that i thought how this tied into what shang chi has been about here in the last couple of stories i've covered with him is he is going through this eternal struggle of who he is compared to what he needs to be doing because, you know, he wants to be a pacifist. He does not want to kill. He wants to make sure that, you know, I can stop the bad guy without hurting anybody. The typical right. the typical hero thing, the Spider-Man thing to do. Yes. But yeah. the people he's allied himself with are, oh, man, hold up. I think I'm on to something. And the people he's allied himself, uh, Dennis Nagel Smith, Black Jack Tar, Dr. Petrie, Clive Reston, they are like the Punisher. Death is the only thing that's going to keep your enemies down. It, it's their language, and to really defeat them permanently, you have to speak their language. So, in a way, maybe the Menagerie and Moon Sun are the path Shang-Chi wants to go for himself. And then the ninjas in Darkstrider represent Smith in the way he does things. Okay. That, that just hit me. So, I mean, because... So- because that is literally the difference in night and day between both both paths that he's fighting over. And right. I just kind of that you kind of just gathered a lot of this 
in a deadly hands of kung fu with the uh, saga of the gold dragon so maybe that's what these two sides represent right here i mean i you're not wrong because there's a lot of this idea of um sort of fooling yourself kind of stuff yeah i I can see that to like talking yourself into something you know that's bad for you yeah or yeah like like you know that's kind of what he's done freedom is the cage that kind of thing you know so i think I think you're right. Like he probably is. And plus, like we talked about earlier, he's a naive guy. He kind of sees the world in one way. And, you know, there's still this pull towards towards darkness and ninjas and strider kind of death characters. I could see it. That makes sense. So um, Dark Strider, uh, we we talked about his design. Uh, Is he a villain you would want to see return? Yeah. And Shang-Chi, too. (laughs) <laughs> um, no so i think i gotta i have to like look this up because i don't know what strider like obviously i understand what the word stride means but it's interesting because there's also the the character strider from like video games and stuff and he's a ninja character so i'm wondering if this is playing off something else you know what i mean like some sort of because I, I I have a hard time imagining there's coincidences in that kind of like ninjas having the same name you know what i mean and in a decade later so i wonder if there's like a movie or something with that character with that name well i mean well you're talking like 1975 here and you're talking like hayabusa strider from like marvel's capcom 2 exactly right? exactly yeah. yeah with like the steel panther and whatnot yeah and, so and i'm just wondering if Stry- I, and obviously that is not influenced by this you know what i mean like there's no way that dude read this one random shang chi comic and was like i'm gonna name my character strider um so that's why I'm like, I wonder if that name means like, or if there's like a, a cultural reference from martial arts movies or something that we're not picking up on. Well, see, that's what I was thinking. Like maybe there's some um, like Asian like legend. Right. That maybe this is all tied into. And well, that's I, the other thing. Yeah. Cause you know, you uh, as crazy as this is they they were probably doing a bunch of research on i mean even stan lee and stuff like that in the time they were like reading up on all this kind of like mythology kind of stuff yeah but and and that's the thing though like he is the only thing that would fit an like asian mystery the other ones are very greek mythology oh yeah yeah so uh, and you know that is the difference between night and day the moon and the sun between those so um so I got curious because I try to do this with all these characters because these books are notorious for um, one shot villains, you know, back in the day. Yeah. You know, if you weren't a major villain from and had a major enemy, like you were a one shot villain. So this is not the end of Dark Strider. Really? No, it is. Hell not. yeah. <laughs> uh, well, That's actually really well, cool. Well, you, you say that now until I tell you where he shows up next. So he does not show up for almost. A whole 30 years. Okay. Let's see what 75 to 85, 95, 2005. Uh, yeah, about 35 years. And uh, he, next time he shows up is in Wolverine volume three. He's going to fight Wolverine. <laughs> no, not really. Okay. He, he is nothing but a throwaway henchman. Oh, that sucks. What is it, this uh, back back when like Wolverine's hanging out in Japan or whatever? Uh, no, no, no. Um, he is a drug pusher. Oh wow! They, yeah. they just <laughs> hey, that's the difference between <laughs> night and day, right? The Some moon and ga- the sun. So I don't know how like Marvel um 
the uh, offices are, but I imagine there's just this huge sort of like um, basement full of archives. Mm-hmm. And I imagine the writers just flip through looking for like a villain to throw in places. Uh, well, this that, will, will this go ahead. That must have been what happened here, because well, why this, else would you dust this guy off? Well, the story is written by Jason Aaron. It's his Wolverine run, which most of it I've enjoyed because oh, he was writing Wolverine and he was writing Wolverine Weapon X at the time, which has one, one of my favorite Wolverine stories. But anyways, uh, this is back when Wolverine is basically the kingpin of a Chinatown in San Francisco because he's known as the Black Dragon because basically okay. he's trying to keep all the crime like scattered. And not trying to make, have one person rule. I need well, to read this. No, it is terrible. <laughs> it's terrible. It's not a good story. It's I don't vo- care. It's it's volume three, uh, issue seventeen through nineteen. So quick quick story here. So um, Wolverine has been this kingpin in San Francisco because it's during the Utopia stuff, and um, okay. So he's go- he. This is where he decides he's going to go build the school for Jean Grey. And uh, back in Westchester. Ah, okay. And someone has stolen all of his money. <laughs> so um, he finds out that uh, Soul Taker, Dark Strider, Razor Fist, and I forget who the other person are, um, are pushing drugs for a woman named Jade Claw throughout the world, right? And the only thing that remotely sticks with Dark Strider and mythical creatures is they are using dragons through ancient dragon tunnels in the earth to move drugs from like the United States to China. As and, you would when you have dragon tunnels, you know? Right. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, he's has no dialogue in the book. He's not even like himself. He's just there. And so uh, he doesn't have six arms. Oh, he has six arms. He just oh. has no dialogue. He's just there. He's there to be beat up is what he's there for. So, um, this also has Gorilla Man in it, which I've always liked Gorilla Man. Yeah. And then uh, for a little Iron Fist, we have Fat Cobra, one of the immortal weapons, show up. And um, so there's there's this funny thing where they're squaring off against it's four on three. And then they, they have all the minions and the dragons. Gorilla Man tells Wolverine, he said he, he's he's complaining about his rogues gallery to Wolverine. I'm like. Only one of these guys is Wolverine's rogue gallery. That's Soul Taker. The other four are literally throwaway Shang-Chi villains outside of Razor Fist. Yeah, that's that's crazy. And apparently he dies. He gets uh he is caught on fire by a dragon. It's the last time we see what? him. Yeah, dragon fire, I'll get you. Well, everybody else survived <laughs> it. Soul Taker survived it. Obviously, Razor Fist survived it because he shows up later. But yeah, it is. He he's wow. just a throwaway character. Uh, it is literally his second, third, and fourth appearance in that storyline. Well, let Nick Spencer write uh, Shang Chi, and we'll see what happens. Oh, please don't put that on me, man. <laughs> that Spider Man run, <laughs> it started it'll out be, solid, but man, it'll be it, dusting off all sorts of Shang Chi history. Nah, nah, that's what they need to hire me to do because that's what I want to do. <laughs> I, I've I've got some stuff that I think would be great, so. But, uh, man, um, I'm going to wrap this up. Thanks for coming on. What you think about coming on and do uh, being on the podcast? Ah, this is a lot of fun, man. I love talking old comics. Well, man, you are most welcome to come on. Whenever we can line things up, I'd love to have you back on. I will definitely be down for that. 
Oh, awesome, awesome. And maybe um, maybe we'll do some Iron Fist next time, or we can keep on with the Shang-Chi stuff. Doesn't matter to me. I'm down for whatever. Ooh, I've actually, cool. I've honestly, I've read more probably Shang-Chi stuff than Iron Fist stuff, so I wouldn't mind getting into some Iron Fist. Well, um, as I'm getting, as I'm about to start off with his first solo series, uh, he comes in contact with some big Marvel players here soon, so... I, I'm not surprised. Yeah, he he looks awesome. I love so, I, I love the look. Well, there's a reason that dragon is tattooed on my back. <laughs> so, but uh, man, one more time, go ahead and let everybody know they can find you and let them know about your podcast. Uh yeah, you just check us out at We Get Dubbed on Twitter, on Instagram. Um, yeah, that's about <laughs> it. Like I said, this should work. Type in WGD into your little podcast machine, and we should come up. Uh, we got like a bunch of different feeds. We got uh, Ballin's a feed we got on there, which we cover Dragon Ball. Um, need more Ballin. Yeah, we, we'll get there. We'll get there. We're gonna start doing some Bleach stuff, so we'll have uh, we'll have that as a separate feed. Yeah, so just check us out. But um, we get dubbed as our our mothership, as I said earlier, for lack of a better term. And uh, yeah. Uh, Thanks for listening, everybody. I say that uh, on my show. I shouldn't have said it on yours, but <laughs> thanks for listening to this show. Um, and uh, thanks for being on the show again. And usually, uh, if you follow me over at Bill and Samantha on Twitter, I, I share the We Get Dubbed stuff, so I'll even help you find them more. Thanks. But if you like uh, Deadly Podcast Kung Fu, go ahead and follow us over on Twitter at Dilly Kung Fu Pod. Make sure you follow the Villains Demand Podcasting Network on Twitter. You'll find all of our podcasts over there, like the last tavern on the left, which is in a rebirth, and the uh, slowly failing crossover collision, which we're having problems getting together to do that. If you like our music, check out Rushing Tiger by Kuro over on SoundCloud. I'm sure he'd appreciate it. I love the music for this podcast. But in the end, guys, remember, support your favorite podcast, support your little comic book shops, and keep reading comics, guys. Oh! Yeah. Uh-huh.